Good morning, everyone. I don't know about you, but that really inspired me, hearing Josh's uh, testimony and the things that he shared. Um, so, Josh, thank you for your heart. Thank you for your service. And uh, I'm already thinking about some of the things that you shared about how maybe God could just use me in my everyday life, because I think you've hit upon something, which is just that, yeah, we're always thinking about, you know, the future. We're always thinking about what we could do next instead of what's right in front of us. And so uh, that was really encouraging. Well, Everyone, if you don't know me by now, I'm Pastor Mike. Uh, I am the online campus pastor of Shelter Rock Church. And today is a little bit of a bittersweet day for me. Uh, as we've been going for the last four weeks through the Lord's Prayer, we've come to the last verse in the prayer. Uh, so we're concluding our study and as well as our time together. And I've just really enjoyed these last four weeks and getting to know everybody uh, spending time with you and digging into the study together. And as we have over the last four weeks, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, rediscovering it, uh, one of the most uh, popular or familiar prayers of the Christian faith. And, and we've been learning a few things. We've been learning the themes behind the verses. And my hope is that as we've studied them together, uh, they have shed some new light on maybe your own prayer life, uh, as it is a model prayer for us, as Jesus taught us, uh, but also that they helped you get deeper and connected more to God as you've considered some of these themes. And today we come to the final verse, as I said, verse 13 of the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to be hitting upon a verse that deals with our greatest vulnerabilities and our greatest weaknesses. And so uh, we're going to be dealing with the subject, temptation. It's something that we all face. Uh, temptation does not discriminate against any of us. It doesn't matter what age you are, what sex you are, what race you are, what socioeconomic status you are. Temptation will find you. And so we're going to be dealing with that today. And in fact, when I was doing my research, I came across the top five temptations that currently uh, in America we face. And on that top five list were anxiety, actually, as number one, uh, overeating, procrastination, <laughs> overuse of electronics and social media, <laughs> and lust. And so as we looked at these five things, or as I looked at these five things, I tried to look at where am I on that spectrum, right? And if you ask my wife, she would definitely say overuse of electronic devices and social media. Um, I blame it on the fact that I'm an online campus pastor, but I really can't use that excuse. Uh, there's many times where she just wants to take a hammer to my phone. I just, you know, really annoy her. Uh, with my use of that. And so that's something that I'm working on. But I also but I also am tempted with a lot of other things. And, you know, some of us, we're lucky enough to struggle with all of those things. <laughs> and so, you know, s uh, when, I, when I first, uh, you know, became, well, on my walk with God or even before my walk with God, um, you know, I really struggled with temptation. I, th I struggled with pride. That was one area of my life that I struggled. And initially, I kind of blamed God for having these struggles in my life. You know, why, why can't you just take these things from me? Why do I have to struggle with this? Like I said, you know, temptation comes and finds you. I don't remember a time where I actively sought out my temptations. 
I didn't go down the aisle of temptation in the supermarket and walk past pride, I mean, walk past uh, procrastination and anxiety and worry and saw pride on the shelf and said, oh, that one looks good. I'll take that. I don't remember doing that. You know, many times I wish that I could go down that aisle and trade it in for something else because dealing with our temptations sometimes, and you can see I have up on the stage with me a set of weights if you haven't seen it already, sometimes dealing (laughs) with our temptations can feel like a heavy weight, like a burden. And as I was dealing with my burdens and my temptations and my trials, I was overwhelmed by them. I was overcome by them. I didn't have any joy. I didn't have any peace. I was completely defeated. I was completely defeated. And I don't know if that's how you're feeling today, where maybe you're feeling like you're overcome by your temptations or you're, you're going through an intense trial right now, and it feels like a heavy weight and a heavy burden. But, you know, God must have known that we would struggle in this way. Because we're going to be reading a passage of scripture today, like I said, verse, six, verse 13 in the Lord's Prayer, that's going to address our greatest weaknesses, our greatest vulnerabilities, and it's going to help us put together what I'm going to call a battle plan to help us defeat and overcome temptation. So let's look together. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. That's where we find the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to be reading from verse 13. So as you get there, you can see the verses is up on the screen of the Lord's Prayer. And we come to the last verse. And we see the verse here says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Again, I'm reading from the NIV version. So in this verse, what I'm gonna what I want us to see, again, we're looking at the themes behind the verse is we're going to look at what Jesus is speaking to us, and we're going to outline this battle plan. And I believe the things that we're going to see in this battle plan is that there's three steps, if you want to call it that, three steps that we can go through to help ensure or prepare ourselves better to battle or defeat temptation, because we're all going to face it at one time or another. Whoops. And those are to recognize temptation. The first thing we need to do is recognize temptation for what it is and who the source of it is. The second thing is we need to resist temptation, and we're going to talk about what that looks like today. And the third thing, or the third step in defeating temptation is we need to rely. We need to rely on God's strength to help overcome temptation and rescue us when we are going through a trial or a time of testing or temptation. So we're going to look at those three things today. Recognize, resist, and rely. So let's look at the first one together. Recognize temptation. So the verse says here, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So as I mentioned, to overcome temptation, we first must recognize what temptation is, and who is the source. Temptation in the dictionary is defined as a strong urge or desire 
to do something that we know is either wrong or unwise. So that would be the dictionary's definition. And we see here that Jesus is teaching us in the Lord's Prayer, among many other prayers, uh, to pray against or proactively pray to avoid temptation, to avoid temptation or to not be overcome by our trials. We're looking at this word temptation. So the dictionary's definition of temptation is a strong desire or urge to do something wrong. When we look in the Greek, the Greek word being used here is pirasmos, which is true to the dictionary definition. It's an enticement to sin. It's an enticement to sin. could be arising from desires from either within us or outward circumstances. But it also is used to define a trial, usually a trial or a test of our fidelity, of our authenticity, if you will. And we're going to talk about many different stories and people in the Bible who have gone under these kinds of testing to test their faith, their integrity, or their virtue. And so when we're when we're looking at this verse and when we're praying this request unto God, we're asking him to rescue us or to prevent us from succumbing to these enticements to do these wrong things, which come from either inside of us or externally, but also to withstand times of testing, hard testing. Because during times of hard testing, we are tempted to walk away from God. We're tempted to give in to our vices. We're tempted to go and give in to our vices. You know, one of the statistics that I read coming through this pandemic is that because we were isolated, we were alone, because we were maybe financially burdened, we, ha- you know, we may have lost our jobs, or we had to take a pay cut, or all the different things that came as a result of the pandemic, the fear of getting sick, the anxiety of getting sick potentially, or a loved one, or maybe we go through a death. But the statistics showed that because of the pandemic, Americans were more apt to give in to their vices through this last year and a half than ever before. And we've seen increases in alcoholism, drinking, giving into pornography, and overeating. And so we tend to comfort ourselves when we're going through these times of great testing or we're tempted by these things, either either outwardly or inwardly. And so this is what Jesus is asking us to pray about. Now, we know all this, and this is great, but this verse actually is somewhat confusing. And it was always confusing to me when I read it as well. And I don't know if it's confused you either. But when we look at this verse, we see here that it says we're praying to God and we're asking him not to lead us into temptation. I don't know if that's confused you. Because when I read that, I ask myself, does God lead me into temptation? Does he tempt me? And so I know in the Bible, I know James chapter 1 says that God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. So I'm confused by this verse. And this, this verse has confused a lot of Bible commentators. So we know that God doesn't tempt us, and we, know that, uh, and we know that the Bible doesn't contradict itself. So what does it mean? And so this has confused a lot of people. It's even confused Pope Francis, um, who back in 2019 actually altered the uh, translation of 
this verse in the Catholic Bible because he felt that theologically it wasn't accurate. And so even when doing my research here, I was trying to look at different translations of the Bible to see which one came close to the original meaning. And so for me, one thing that has really helped me to understand this verse and what's being said in this verse to help me to recognize what is temptation and what is the meaning of this verse and where does temptation come from is to look at the grammatical structure of the verse. Look at the grammatical structure. Now I know the minute I said that, I just lost some of you. <laughs> but if you hang with me for a minute and let me geek out for a moment, I really think you're going to get a whole new perspective on this verse. So this verse, we just read that. This verse contains a literary device in Hebrew poetry called synonymous parallelism. Synonymous parallelism is a literary device, if, you have, if there's any English teachers in the room, which is used to reinforce a thought. And what's being done here is that one sentence or one line of poetry is being restated in the second line of poetry in a different way. Same thought being restated in a different way to help reinforce the idea or the principle that is being said. We see this all throughout the Bible. We see this in the book of Psalms. We see this in the book of Proverbs. One uh, example that I have up on the screen is Psalm 120, which is, deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. So in the same way that lying lips in the first line is being restated as a deceitful tongue in the second line, we see that the concept or the idea is that a mouth full of lies is something that we need to be saved from, right? That's the concept. The same thing in one, probably the, one of the most familiar verses, which is Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. This has helped, using synonymous parallelism, has helped us to reinforce the idea of this verse because in the same way that pierced is very similar to being crushed, that transgressions is synonymous with iniquities. So it's the same thought. Jesus was broken because of our sin. That's the concept. It's being restated to amplify the meaning. And so in the same way that to lead us not into is the same meaning as God delivering us from. In the same way that temptation is synonymous with the evil one. God cannot be tempted, nor can he tempt anyone. The enemy or the evil one, Satan, is synonymous with temptation. God doesn't tempt. Satan does. So the emphasis or the focus of this verse is on the idea or the concept or the act of God rescuing us from temptation. So when I understood that, when I understood the mechanics of the verse, it just opened my eyes. And for me, it helps me to not blame God for these trials and temptations in my life, but recognize 
that he wasn't the one, he wasn't the cause of these temptations, but that in fact he actually wanted to help me to overcome these temptations, these trials in my life. So what areas of your life are you being tempted in? What areas, maybe what struggle, what, what trial are you going through right now? Some of us, we do. We blame God for those trials. We blame God for those things that we struggle with. And we don't recognize that not only is it coming not from God, it's coming from our enemy, Satan, but that also God does permit times of testing and trials and temptation in our life. I used to think, I used to think that because I messed up, I was a very all or nothing. Because I messed up in one area, I might as well give up in the other areas. I already blew it, not recognizing that God wanted to deliver me out of it. And so before Christ, this is how I struggled. But then we see all stories in the Bible. We see stories of Job, Job being tested whether or not he was going to curse God because of the things that were taken away from him in his life by the enemy. We see Peter, we see Peter being tempted and tested to deny Jesus, and he failed. We even read last week of the times, or we, just, we talked about last time, about the Israelites who were tempted to grumble and complain against God in the desert because they didn't have the kind of food that they were used to when they were back in Egypt. But in all those circumstances, God provided. God came through. Despite the Israelites' weakness, God provided food for them. God met their needs. And so it just reinforces, like synonymous parallelism, that God is in the business of restoring, redeeming, and rescuing us from our temptations. And we have to remember that greater is he that is in me than is he who is in the world. And so we have God in us to help us to recognize where temptation is coming from and recognize that it just might be used in our life to bring about a time of testing. As we said, the definition of testing being to, uh, to look at the integrity of our faith, the virtue of our faith, and we're tested in that way. So the first step in the battle plan is to recognize temptation. The second step is to resist temptation, to resist temptation. Now, why do I say this? Because when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Inherently in that verse, it teaches us that we are to avoid the danger of sin. Jesus is teaching us to proactively pray this unto God, to ask us to avoid sin, avoid being overcome by sin. And so inherently in that, we're petitioning God and we're asking him to deliver us for what causes us to sin. So with that, one would come with the expectation that as a Christian, our desire is to avoid sin, right? We are praying against this. Our desire is to avoid sin. And so with that, there's an unspoken expectation that we are an active participant in the process. Last time we were together, we talked about the sanctification process, right? That God works in our life and 
That's why we need to, on a daily basis, ask him to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of that unrighteousness, but that he works in us and he goes from glory to glory to glory, making us and conforming us more like his son Jesus. We're an active participant in that process by surrendering ourselves unto God. And so by praying this way, we're an active participant in resisting sin. And we see this show up in Jesus' life. Remember about the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is not just teaching us a model prayer. He's living it out. We saw time and time again how Jesus lived out. Your kingdom come, right? Your will be done. How he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was tempted to give in to his desire to avoid suffering. And yet he still submitted his will to the Lord and said, Not my will, but yours be done. So the Lord's Prayer is something that Jesus himself is living out. Last time we were together, I encouraged you as you're reading through New Testament scripture especially to ask yourself, where else could this show up in the Bible? When the, when the Jewish people who were listening to Jesus give the Sermon on the Mount, what could possibly be going through their minds? What could possibly be going through Jesus' minds when he was teaching them about avoiding temptation? Well, just two chapters before the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 4, we see an account of Jesus himself being tempted and tested in the wilderness by Satan. And so we see Jesus living out exactly what he did. And each time he was tested or tempted, he was tested in three ways. Satan tempted him by, because he was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry, he was tired, and he was alone. And friends, when we're hungry, tired, and alone, that's when we're, gr we're, we're under the greatest amount of pressure to be tempted. And so Jesus, he was hungry, tired, and alone, and the enemy tempted him to turn stones into bread, to take care of his physical needs supernaturally, and he resisted. The second way that, the, that Satan tempted Jesus was by testing God to see if he actually would take care of him and send his angels by throwing him off of a high place and seeing if his angels would come and rescue him. And then the third way was by tempting Jesus with all the kingdoms of the world, all the riches and all the kingdoms of this world, if only he would bow down and worship Satan. He could have the kingdom, and Jesus spoke about the kingdom, right? We know Jesus was all about the kingdom. So obviously the kingdom was something that would tempt Jesus. And so he resisted, and each time he resisted, he resisted with the word of God. Jesus had a plan, and he overcame. You know, Dr. Warren Wearsby has this great quote, that temptation is Satan's weapon to overcome us, but it can become God's tool to build us. It can become God's tool to build us. So God doesn't tempt us, but he does allow it. He does permit it. And what God wants us to know in this verse is that he wants us to use it as a tool to build us. But we need to resist. And when I think of resistance causing us to grow, I think of uh, my hobby, which is resistance training. So I'm going to go back to my ways. Uh, so resistance training. So there's a, a principle in resistance training. It's called progressive overload. And in order for your muscles to grow, you have to constantly put them under increased amount 
of pressure or force applied against it. You need to resist that force. And so uh, what happens is that over time, your muscles adapt to that force being applied to it. So if I were to pick up these three-pound weights over here, you know, on day one, they're going to feel real heavy, and it's going to be tough to resist them. But over time, my muscles are going to get stronger, and they're going to get used to this three-pound weight. So I'm going to plateau. So in order for me to grow and get stronger, I need to do a few things, and that's where progressive overload comes from. I either need to increase the weight, jump up to these five pounds, or I need to do more reps, more frequency. If I've done eight, I need to do 12. Or I need to increase the amount of time under tension that I resist these weights. So I'm going to do them slower, and I'm going to increase the amount of time that I'm actually resisting. And so the interesting thing about progressive overload is that we don't grow stronger while we're resisting the weight, while we're lifting the weight. What happens is, is that our muscle fibers break down during that process. They break down and they tear in these, these, these microscopic tears. But then while we're at rest, after we've resisted, those muscle fibers start to heal and we go through the recovery process. And as they heal, they become tougher and they become thicker. And we're able to, and our, and our muscles grow. And we're able to then increase the weight and handle more resistance. And so the interesting thing is that it happens after we've resisted. So with us, we sometimes give in so quickly to temptation, we never get to the point where we actually resist it. Sometimes, you know, we all say, if I took a, a vote in the room, I would say that everybody probably wants to grow stronger and deeper in their faith so that they can handle the attacks of Satan, the trials, the temptations in your life to have a deeper, stronger faith so you can be more perseverant. But if we never get to the point of actually resisting the temptation, if we always give in when the weight starts to push back on us and we never push back on the weight and resist it, we'll never grow. And so we see this in Jesus' life, that he resisted the weight that was applied to him. And we see this in, in, many other, uh, in many other examples throughout the Bible where in order to grow, God puts us through a test, and it, it's part of the process is we need to resist. But just like I need a workout plan, I need to know, I need to, before I go into a workout, I need to make sure, I need to know how much did I resist last time I was in the gym so I know, okay, I need to increase that resistance this time. Otherwise, I'm never going to grow. And we need a plan as well. John Piper said that the Christian most prepared to conquer temptation is the one who prays and plans against it. The one who prays and plans against it. So a battle plan for resistance could look many different things for everybody some of the most common ones and ones that I've put into practice for my life to help me 
better resist when temptation comes. Because like I said, temptation is going to come whether we like it or not, is a few things. So number one, obviously prayer. Praying, Jesus is teaching us in this verse to pray against temptation. The second thing is memorizing scripture. That's what Jesus did, right? He knew the word. He was able to speak the word to Satan when he was tempted. Another way would be to guard your eyes. You know, if you struggle with lust or desire, then you need to guard your eyes. Make sure that you're screening the TV shows that you're watching, the movies that you're watching, um, having an internet filter on on your computer and on your phone. One of the things that has been a lifeline for me is to have an accountability partner. Getting our darkness into the light is very freeing. And it sort of short circuits the enemy's power in our life when we bring these things into the light. And so having an accountability partner, somebody that I can call up, text message, and confess my sins, number one, but also who can contact me and keep me accountable to the things that I'm struggling with is another way that we can kind of put up guardrails in our life. And that's what we need to do is put up guardrails in our life. Avoiding tempting places or situations. If you're struggling with overeating or indulgence, well, maybe you should avoid the bakery aisle in the supermarket. And maybe, you know, if you're struggling with alcoholism or addiction, that you shouldn't go to the bar with your friends on Friday night because it's going to put you in a situation where you're going to be more apt to be tempted. And so God is part of, this is our part of the process where God comes in and helps us to do these things, but this is where we can come in and also uh, partner with God in that. Limiting time on social media. I have, like I said, I have a, a bit of an addiction to electronic and, and social media, and so m- putting limits on my time with that. The list can go on and on depending upon what you need and what you struggle with the most. And the thing is about, about resistance is that, you know, if we never resist, we're only going to be able to only lift these two-pound weights. We're never going to get stronger in our faith. And so resistance is God's way of bringing us through and developing those muscles. But, you know, friends, we have hope. And the hope is, is that we know from Scripture that God doesn't give us more than we can bear. When we're tempted... God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted more than you can bear. In other words, is that God will never put more weight on the bar than you can lift. Amen? So that is our hope as we resist temptation. So the first thing is to resist temptation. The second thing, I'm sorry, the first thing is to recognize temptation. The second is to resist temptation. And finally, it's to rely on God's strength when we are undergoing temptation. And so we see here in the verse, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As we said before, God doesn't tempt us, but Satan does. And as we said about synonymous parallelism, that to deliver us from evil is directly tied to the request before it, which is to lead us not into. Satan is behind every evil. And so the word here that is emphasized is deliver us from. So to deliver is uh, rumini in Greek, 
which is to draw oneself out, to rescue or to be set free from something or someone. So this verse teaches us that we cannot resist temptation in our own strength. If we are petitioning God, asking God to deliver us from evil, it recognizes our own inabilities, our own shortcomings. And it puts the emphasis back on God and seeking him for his help by the power of the Holy Spirit to come into our lives when we're dealing with times of trial, testing, and temptation to overcome. And so we need to rely on God's strength. We need God to show us the way out of the dark. And when I think of a time when there was a dramatic rescue by a few individuals and that needed to have help being shown the way out of the dark, I think of the Chilean miners who were trapped underground for over two months back in 2010. I don't know if you remember this story. And what happened during this time, and the whole world was watching and praying and waiting to see what was going to happen to these miners. And it w- the situation was becoming pretty desperate. They were trapped underground. Uh, the tunnels that they were mining caved in on them. They were without food. They were without water. They were out without ventilation. And panic started to set in. And in order, uh, in order to, and panic started to set in, and they started to kind of get a little bit, um, panic started to set in. And as anyone would, you know, they started to get anxious and confused. And so someone came up with the idea that they needed to appoint a leader, somebody who uh, could direct them on what to do. And so they appointed a leader who was able to drill holes in the cave to allow ventilation to come in, who allowed also, it was a way for the outside world to communicate with them, um, and also to avoid um, being uh, going into where they were going to get trapped again. And so uh, when they finally were rescued after 66 days, uh, the news reporter asked them, how did you stay calm? How were you able to manage to stay calm and have hope in, in, in the midst of this complete darkness that you were in? And they sa- someone said that it was because of the leader that they appointed had a small headlamp on his helmet, like you can see in this photo. And because he had that little bit of light shining through the darkness, leading the way out, it gave them hope. It calmed their anxiety. And so, friends, when we're going through difficult times, when we feel like we're in complete, utter darkness, when it feels like we can't breathe and we're overwhelmed and panic is starting to set in, we need to look for God's light that he provides to rescue us out of the darkness. And that's one thing that we read in Scripture is that when we're tempted, he will always provide a way out for us when we're tempted so that we can endure it. So are we looking for that light? Do you look for that light? When you are tempted, do you just give in? Or do you look for that light, however small it may be, and follow that light? That could look very practical in a lot of ways. I can remember many times when I was tempted and I was on the verge of giving in to temptation when I would get a text message from my accountability partner and he would ask me how I'm doing. Right in the middle of it. That was God 
shining his light, rescuing me from that temptation. Or another time that I was being tempted, and it was late at night, and my son, who I'd put to bed hours ago, woke up crying, and he needed help to go back to bed, and I was the only one awake. And I had to get up from what I was doing and go over to him, take care of him, put him to bed, read him a story, and by the time I was finished with that distraction, the urge, the temptation had left me. I no longer was enticed. And that was God shining his light, showing me the way out. But we need to take it when it comes. And so if you're wrestling, if you're tempted to rely on your own strength instead of God's, or you haven't, you've been staring at the darkness so much that you haven't been focused on the light, I just want to encourage you to look for the light. He is faithful to provide an escape for you. He will always provide an escape for you because he is for you and he is not against you. So today's verse teaches us that in order for us to endure or defeat temptation, we need to create a battle plan. We need to create a battle plan and rely on God's strength to overcome. And I told you that when I was struggling with temptation and before I realized that God was actually in the business of rescuing me from this temptation, I was overcome with, without any joy, without any peace, without any victory. It wasn't until I had understood even this verse that God wanted to rescue me out of it and he wanted to show me how that I can defeat temptation. That, that, that temptation didn't define who I was and it wasn't because something was wrong with me but that I have an enemy who is against me and that I'm in good company because we're all going to face this, that I was able to finally break free and work with God. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not tempted still. Absolutely. That doesn't mean that I don't struggle. Absolutely, I still do. But Jesus is there to pick me up when I fall, when I stumble, and dust me off and pick me back up, and he forgives me and he cleanses me, and he washes me clean. And the hope that we have is that today, some of, you t- some of you are overwhelmed by your temptations. Some of you are overwhelmed and living in your own strength, and you're about to give up. God wants to remind you that he is there, that we are to rely on his strength, that we to recognize where it comes from, who's responsible, that he He encourages us and gives us the strength to resist those temptations, but that we also want to rely on his power and his strength. And I'm so encouraged by Hebrews uh, chapter 2, which says, For this reason, he has made him like them, fully human in every way, in order that he may be our faithful and merciful high priest. Because just in the same way that Jesus was tempted and tested, he was without sin. And because that he came through and passed his test, he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses and he is able to stand as our high priest, interceding for you and for me, atoning for our sins and the times that we do fail and we do stumble in our sin. Because he came through his testing and persevered through the end, he can atone for our sins. He can take our shame. He can take our weakness on his back And death doesn't have the final say. So friends, I encourage you today to just let Jesus take your sin, 
Take your shame. Take, your, take what's struggling you and overcoming you the most. And let him turn your greatest vulnerability into your greatest victory. Let's pray. Dear Father God, Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for the Lord's prayer. We thank you that you gave us this prayer to model it in our lives. Not only did you teach us this prayer, but you lived it out. And you showed us how to walk with you in our relationship with your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for uh, the teaching today that, that we are not defeated by the temptations that come into our lives. God, and that temptation alone is not sin. Lord, it's what we do with it after we're being tempted. And Lord, I thank you for that revelation, and I, I thank you for the strength, and I pray that you would strengthen every single one here in this room who's going through a time of testing or temptation. Lord, I pray that you would show them the way out and help them to live above their trials. Lord, pray that your Holy Spirit would produce in us self-control and perseverance and give us what we need in our time of struggle and testing and temptation. Lord, we thank you and pray that you would just cleanse us and forgive us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.